The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, here's Dr. G. Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. I'm Cheryl G., and I'll be your host for the hour. Today, we're going to be talking about fostering a happy work environment for greater success. And with us today to help us have this conversation, we have Valerie Shepherd, who is the Sherpa of Happiness. Valerie, thank you so much for being on the line. Thank you so much, Dr. G. I'm really excited to be here. And I'm really excited to have you here. I know you have a book that will be being released, I think, in a few months. Is that correct? Yes, in the spring of 2012. I'm looking to release the Happy to Be Me handbook. Wonderful. So we'll look forward to that coming. Can we have you just share a little bit about yourself? Sure. I uh, have a corporate background, a business background of about 30 years, and I've got a little bit of a hybrid one. I've done marketing and business strategy development is kind of the core. I have an MBA in marketing, but I've also done about half of my career in nonprofit development work, so helping nonprofits grow their um, uh, connection with consumers and uh, members and creating visibility, et cetera. But my specialty is in branding, and um, I've done a lot of that work with Procter & Gamble and consulting firms and others. And now, though, I took a radical sabbatical from kind of the heady corporate area and am doing my own entrepreneurial endeavor, which is about helping people create more vibrant lives. And happiness is the centerpiece of that. Wonderful. Well, I think that's exciting, and I'm looking forward to um, hearing more about your tips but before we go there, want to um, just maybe lay some foundation with regards to um, getting your perspective on why employers should even care about um, the, ha- the happiness, one might say, in a workplace, whether it's happy or not. Well, I think the bottom line is the reason employers should care, and I think employers should care, as, and so should people at the tippy top of the United States. You know, when you think about the, or- the GDP of the country, if more organizations were creating more um, powerfully profitable bottom lines, if there's like this trickle effect, right? So we all have a vested interest in how happy are the employees of any particular organization. Studies have shown that people who are more happy create better results. So whether it's from, you know, doctors who make better diagnoses or whether it's uh, people who are more optimistic outperforming their pessimistic counterparts by like 37%, uh, accuracy on uh, production lines, creativity in terms of solutions to problems, and even creativity in terms of products that we might need to enhance our lives. All those things go up 
when happiness is a part of the, the organizational culture. Okay, wonderful. So um, I'm hearing you say that um, happy people drive happy through a network. Yes. We had a little bit of a break in there for a moment. Hi there. <laughs> okay, great. So actually I was I was just kind of recapping what I, I what I'm thinking I'm hearing is the bottom line is happy equates to results. Yes. Yeah, that there's an impact there. Have you ever worked in an environment that you felt was happy or maybe not happy? I've worked in both. Worked I would both. say that mm-hmm. I've not worked in an organizational where an organization where there was a focus on creating a happiness culture. Mm-hmm. I have worked in happiness like happier teams. So teams where the uh, relationships with each other seemed to be deeper. Um, the happier we were, it seemed like there was more peace. Um, the, the the teams had more camaraderie. There was more of a sense of oneness. We we were more supportive of one another and picking up the slack and you know going the extra yard. And where it really makes the biggest difference, where I've felt the difference is when something goes wrong. So I've never worked in a place where everything was perfect. I don't know about you or your listeners, but stuff happens. And there are sometimes days when things go wrong. Sometimes there can be a whole period, like a quarter, where profit's down and sales are down and senior management is you know, calling for solutions. And in those cases, the difference between working in a happy environment and working in one that is maybe competitive or fear-based or territorial is huge. Mm -hmm. So in my experience, when I've been working in what I would call a happiness team culture or high-performance team, um, when the stuff that goes wrong went wrong, we seemed to band together much quicker, much easier. We came to the table with solution orientation instead of lamenting the problem or constantly, you know, blaming, shaming, and trying to figure out, well, whose fault is it that we're dealing with this problem anyway? We skipped that Mm -hmm. and went directly to, okay, who's got some ideas here? It just seemed more roll-up-the-sleeves kind of environment and Mm -hmm. much more fun and uh, much faster. I mean, I don't have a, in my experience, I don't have like a side-by-side test, but... just qualitatively getting to a solution was quicker and just so much more fun, so much mm-hmm. more energizing as opposed to in other environments where there's a lot of shaming and blaming and territorial nature and people protecting their backsides. And yeah. it can be very heavy and right. um, really uh, takes forever. And just you don't want to go to work on those days mm-hmm. when you're in those periods where stuff is going wrong. Right. Well, no, and actually that makes a, a lot of sense to me. I know having... Um, uh, worked with a number of organizations and um, in an environment where you do have those things that you talked about, that sense of teamness, that sense of oneness, that ten- sense of support, if a happier workplace drives that, then you tend to get less blaming, less transferring of responsibility. And when stuff hits the fan and start, instead of the blame storming happening, you tend to get more brainstorming on solutions. And so I could see that being very helpful. I really do feel like it's a it's the number one leadership imperative mm-hmm. right now. There is a lot going on outside of the workplace place that is challenging people. And you know, when I was in and before I took my radical sabbatical, I would say that there are aspects of my personality that contributed to not the best. There there are aspects of my personality that contributed on both sides of the equation. Mm-hmm. And I'm much more conscious now of how I bring to the table dynamics in my own personality that will create more of a happy environment in my work team. Mm-hmm. And but at the same time, this whole idea of 
mm-hmm. leading mm-hmm. really needs to be focused on, okay, there are people out there who are dealing with a lot outside of the workplace. How can I make this an area where that they feel more supported, where it feels a place they want to come, where they can leave some of the negativity that might be touching their lives in other areas outside and be able to to be more present here because right. we've created a culture that is much more vibrant and inclusive. Right. And, you know, I want to um, back up a little bit because you said, I believe that needs to be the number one thing that leaders focus on. What was that number one thing that you were referring to? Creating a happiness culture. Okay. okay. So really deciding that, you know what, the mark that I want to leave on this organization is that we're going to develop results, we're going to create create new products, we're going to we're going to build our brand equity within a culture that is positive and um, enjoyable and fun. Okay. And there are companies out there doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you read about um, 10 of America's happiest companies. I think Forbes has done studies in the, in the recent past. There are a couple of other organizations that kind of collect data on several different markers of what they think contributes to a happiness culture. Mm-hmm. And, and I think those companies are doing great stuff, Adobe, Amex, Google, Southwest, Zappos. You probably read about a number of them. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of them are doing really cool things, you know, positivity counseling, paid sabbaticals, mm-hmm. on-site child care. Um, I'm really focused on intrinsic happiness. So I'm really focused on how can individuals take responsibility for being connected to their inner source of happiness as opposed to companies having to invest millions of dollars to create extrinsic happiness mm-hmm. um, that, that employees can take advantage of. Okay. And then this, uh, this made me look at a little bit at both of those because I think one of the things you said was, you know, that happiness, I'm kind of jotting down a few of the adjectives, and you described that happy environment as one that's positive, enjoyable, and fun. Um, so what would be the leader's role in helping to create this environment that's positive, enjoyable, and fun? Well, I think the number one role of the leader in creating this environment is to really be in a space of integrity within. So I am, my company, Source Power, we focus on inside-out performance. So mm-hmm. it's the inside of the leader is going to come out into the workplace. So if the leader is dealing with anger issues or has anger issues that are stored and they aren't really dealing with them, those are going to come out, especially in difficult times inside the environment. So the number one thing a leader has to do is make sure that they're cleaning up their own stuff, that they are focused not only on what everybody else around them is doing, but they're taking responsibility for um, getting on a, a more happy plane themselves. And that comes from, you know, personal inventory understanding how we're in alignment or not with our own beliefs and values and what things in our past are coming up that are maybe not serving us and not serving our um, organizations. Okay. And then let me look at uh, the other side of that coin because you said that you also look at how individuals take responsibility. And I think a leader is an individual, but I'm thinking those outside of the leadership role when you say you help them become more responsible in their lives for their happiness, what might that look like? Well, I do coaching and consulting, and I love helping people kind of figure out what is disconnecting them from their own happiness. So mm-hmm. um, historically, we've, we've really believed that happiness comes from something. So success, 
you know, when I look at my happiness, I've, I've been chasing after it. And I think a lot of people chase after it. It's the, the next promotion, the next raise, when the kids get out of school, when I retire, when I have this baby, when it's like when I find a mate. The, the list of things that people put on their happiness maps are typically outside of them and typically a long journey away. They've got a timeline for getting there and they've got goals. And what I help people do is determine um, that the external happiness, if, if everything that we are trying to create in, in terms of happiness is outside of us, then as those things shift, so does our opportunity for happiness. And so my belief is that when we strip away personality and identity and um, chasing after goals, there's a way to have happiness that comes from, comes from within, that in fact, on a spiritual level, we already are that, and that being a spiritual being as we are doing all of our human endeavors, um, starting companies and running teams and creating brands. If we remember the depths of who we are and bring that forward while we're doing all that human stuff, that's where happiness is intrinsic. It doesn't matter what's happening on the outside. And so I help people get connected to that source of happiness so that okay. as things shift on the outside, oh, right. they're more centered and balanced. Good. So, Bob, I want to put a comma there. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about this topic and really dive a little bit more into uh, eight tips that I know we had an opportunity to, um, you shared with me, around creating a more happy work environment. So please stay with us, and we'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email G at dr.g at innovisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about this show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. And we're back with more on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. Today we're talking about fostering a happy work environment for greater success. And with us today to help us have this conversation, we have Valerie Shepard, the the Sherpa of happiness. Valerie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. I love this topic, and I'm really grateful to have an opportunity to talk about it. Yeah, and I am enjoying your um, words of wisdom and the conversation myself. Also on the line, we have Valerie Wright, our associate producer, and we always invite Valerie to chime in as she sees fit. And so, Valerie, thank you so much for being on the line. Thank you, Dr. G. Always a pleasure. Yes, and we'll look forward to hearing even more from you in Segment 3 as our callers um, call in and email uh, questions. Okay, but for this moment, I'm going to turn back to you, Valerie Shepard, and ask you to share a little bit about the um, eight tips that um, you had shared with me previously, the first one being put some heart into the work environment. So these are tips around creating a more happy work environment. Share yes. a little bit more with regards to this first tip of put some heart into the work environment. Putting the heart in. Okay, well, I'm a student of the Institutes of Heart Math, which teaches that there is a um, field surrounding the physical heart that is about 45 times more powerful than that surrounding the brain. And it's powerful in its ability to direct us, give us inner messages, the the, um, power of our inner wisdom, which often we turn away from in the West. In the Western world, we're taught at a very young age to value the rational mind over what is called the emotional mind of the heart. And in the work that I've been doing, I've really been trying to get out of my head or at least quiet my head and listen to my heart. And when I've looked back through my radical sabbatical at times when my life seemed to be off track and things weren't going as well as I wanted and I was feeling like I wasn't making progress in any areas of my life, business or personal, I look back and the choices that I was making were really not from the heart. They were from the head. And the thing is, the head is very powerful. I mean, we definitely need our heads and especially in the workplace. We need the analysis, the logic of the the um, brain. We we need the sorting and the, the capacity of the brain to make comparisons, and we need all that stuff. The problem is when that aspect of us runs completely on its own without the kind of the sacred, intuitive wisdom of the heart, it tends to set up scenarios that are one-sided and oftentimes more doom and gloom. And so what I like to see is that there's heart in the environment, and what that means for me is that uh, people are allowed to bring in their intuitive selves, the aspects of themselves that have a gut reaction that just says, I don't think we should go that way. And a lot of times when we allow people to express that and then allow the brain to follow and create the, the next level of information around that, we can get better, much better uh, decision-making as a result. So the key is not to have one or the other. The key is to integrate the head and the heart and what I would, what I talk about in this one, putting heart into the environment, is allowing people to engage on both an emotional and feeling level, as well as a process orientation and a rational aspect. What what I've experienced in, 
for the most part is people don't want to feel deal with people's emotions. They don't want to they don't want to hear their emotional response to what the organization might be doing. They just want it to be by the numbers. And you know, we can see kind of how that's going for the environment and the economy right now. Yeah, wonderful. So I love that. So put some heart into the environment really honing in on that key of integrating and listening to both the heart and the head. Exactly. The second tip we talked a little bit about was cultivating an optimistic culture. So talk to me a little bit about that. Well, um, there are studies that show that long-term, the way we approach what's going on around us, so the way we define it, the stories we tell about it, how we relate to what's going on, um, really does impact our longevity and how we actually respond in the midst of circumstances. So, for example, um, the idea of optimism is being able to always choose to see the cup half full. Yes, you could spend hours in certain situations coming up with all the bad things, but the choice is still there to see it differently. And so by teaching people how to not Pollyanna, like not ignore that there's a dynamic that needs to be resolved, but look at the possibilities, be focused on the opportunities as opposed to the problems. So it would be um, a few minutes ago I was talking about the difference between problem focus or solution focus, difference between blaming and shaming and actually moving into how do we take care of this. And as a leader, you know, how can we approach and embrace our teams and our staff with powerfully positive attitudes, no matter what they do. They make a mistake, well, that's great. Let's see how we get ourselves out of it. And what did we learn from the mistake? I don't know about you, but I've had several times when a mistake is like a gift. Mm -hmm. I learned so much from looking at it and determining where things went awry and what I might do differently that, in fact, they can sometimes be more powerful than our greatest successes. And yet that ability comes from being able to or choosing to see it in its most positive light and look for the gift as opposed to just sweep it away as, oh, boy, another mistake or another problem. Wonderful. So cultivating an optimistic culture and for us as leaders really being mindful that the stories we tell become the culture. And so if we're going to have a positive culture, then us being able to speak in a positive way about that which we see going on is what I'm hearing you say and really moving to that solution generation even in the midst of challenges versus the blaming and the shaming. Love I like it. that, the way you put that. And I, I really do believe that it goes beyond just looking at the external circumstances, but to your point about how we interact with people mm-hmm. and how we even value them on the team. Like how many times can leaders say they remember just being gra- grateful for someone's presence on the team, not because they solved a major problem, but you know what? I'm really glad, glad to have you on the team. Mm-hmm. And that's a part of optimism that is, mm-hmm. uh, in my experience, often missing. Mm-hmm. So expressing gratitude. Love mm-hmm. that. Wonderful. Tip number three, resist making everything so serious. Say a little more. <laughs> yeah, like I used to really, I used to be really concerned about how many days we would stay in do or die or mission critical when I was working. Everything was urgent, important. And the stress that that creates is unbelievable. And Really, nothing beneficial comes out of stress. Even the people who tell me when I'm coaching them that, oh, but you know what, I do my best work when I'm under the gun. That's really not true. Um, they've 
built up coping behaviors for being under the gun, but their best work is probably not happening when they're under major stress. And so I think leaders have a responsibility to really do some triage and decide how many things are truly urgent, important, and how many of them could really wait. Mm -hmm. And being able to flex timelines, um, let go of language that, that really keeps teams mired in fear and feeling like they have no choice but to keep working. Um, those kinds of things are important, and, and that comes from really being willing to say, that thing is not as serious as this thing, instead of saying, well, i got to have it all. Mm-hmm. And when, one of the things that I did with my teams when I was at um, one of the companies where I used to work, we had a four-quadrant um, priority list, and so on one axis it was urgency and the other was important. And so you end up with four quadrants, and the one that is high urgency and high importance is the one that we tended to focus on the most, and we had a limit. There could be no lot more than eight things in that box. So when we were looking in different um, people's work plans, if there were 15 things in there, we had to stop, and they were actually empowered to come to me as the team leader and say, my um, work plan is out of balance, and I need some help reprioritizing because I've got 15 things in this top bar, and it's not, it can't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that really is a responsibility of a leader to be willing to say, that's not that important, let's move it and shift it and manage that up, down, and across the organization. Be wow. willing oh. to go to your leadership and say, we have to restructure our priorities. There's, all these things cannot possibly be mission critical at the mm-hmm. same time. Wonderful. So resisting making everything so serious by establishing priorities and some realistic timelines. Tip yes. number four, keep people in the now. Yes. So um, there's a lot being said around the power of being in the present moment. And it can be, it can be difficult. And it can really, when we're not in the present moment, this is a, a, a significant impact on our ability to be happy in any environment, work environment, church environment, home environment, it doesn't matter. And what this means is, there are times when our reaction to something that's going on, our relationship with somebody in our space has nothing to do with what's going on in the present moment. We're actually bringing in old energy from the past, a memory, something in our amygdala, the the reptilian part of our brain that stores all of our emotional stuff. Something has been triggered in there, and it's coming right in in the moment, and we're responding with that instead of responding in the moment. Or we're so busy concerned about the future and what the future might hold that we're not responding in the moment. So an example might be uh, your boss comes to you and they come into your office and they close the door. Now, in my experience, when my boss came into my office and closed my door, there had been times when there was such stress just by that action. He walks in or she walks in and the door gets closed that any time it happened, I would feel a flutter in my stomach my brain would start to say, oh, no, what now? Like that was the vernacular that came out. Oh, no, what now? Mm -hmm. And there was a posture in me that had already taken hold before the first word was said. On a couple of occasions, very poignant ones, the person was coming in to ask me for help or to tell me about something that was going on with them. had nothing to do with me or doom and gloom, but my reaction came from the past. 
I wasn't fully present. So it took me a while to get on track. And that's just one example of how many different ways it might come in where you start to see people have um, conflict or confrontation. And when you peel back the onion on it, what you see is that both people were not really present. Neither people were present. Wonderful. One of them is approaching it from her past, and the other one is approaching it from her past. Good. And I love how you framed that with regards to uh, in one of our um, write-ups and discussions with regards to too much time spent in the past or in the future means opportunities for happiness are lost in the now. I think that That's was a <clears throat> wonderful framing that you, that you gave to that in one of your writings. And, and talk a little bit about uh, meditation, because I think that's another thing that you connect to this being in the now. I love meditation, and you caught me on a day when I started a four-week meditation class, so I'm especially excited about <laughs> meditation today because we started a class today. And I think that meditation is a powerful tool to employ in any environment, but especially in the workplace, to quiet the mind chatter and get the full um, power of our, our senses in line with what it is that we're about to do. So um, the breathing aspects of meditation can harmonize the body and are a physiological way of integrating head and heart. So just by slowing down your breath and focusing on that instead of what's going on around you helps to bring this powerful um, brain and this powerful intuitive heart into coordination, into what the Institute for Heart Math calls um, coherence. So the body is in alignment and, and ready to be used as we, as individuals, look at what is it that I have to bring? What is mine to bring to this situation? It can really allow our brains to settle down so that in any moment when we're in the past or in the future, we can come more fully into the present and release that mind chatter that goes on that can, can keep us feeling frazzled and disconnected. And you can do meditation in a minute. Two minutes, five minutes. I taught the class this morning of a five-minute meditation that, that can be employed anytime, anywhere. Wonderful. Love that. Fifth tip, make your staff feel heard, seen, and regarded. Yes. I wasn't so good at this when I was working in the corporate world. There were times when I was so focused on the to-do list and where we were relative to the do list, to-do list because I was really focused on pleasing management, that I really wasn't um, as supportive as I am today. And that's been one of my biggest trans, uh, transformations, is realizing that everybody matters. There are no people who are better than other people. There's no solution that is, if the person has the solution, they're somehow more valued. It's really about um, how I interact with them is important. And it's Wonderful. important to them and how they receive, how I receive what they have to offer and how I offer my coaching or counseling or my perspective back to them. All and right. So I tell you what, we're going to come back and hear from our listening audience as well as finish um, going through the um, rest of the, uh, the remaining three tips that you have to give us with regards to creating a more happy work environment. Wonderful information you're providing. Enjoying the conversation. Stay with us. We'll be back with more on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions.
the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email G at dr.g at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. And we're back with more on Leadership Matters. Today we're talking about fostering a happy work environment for greater success. And Valerie Shepard, the Sherpa of Happiness, is on the line with us today. Thank you so much, Valerie, for being with us. Thank you, Dr. G. This has been a great conversation so far. I'm really enjoying it. I'm enjoying it as well. And also on the line is our associate producer, Valerie Wright, who's been um, going through and picking up the uh, emails and calls with questions from our listening audience. Valerie, want to go on and uh, start with those, and then after that we'll return to the last three tips that uh, Valerie has to um, share with us today on creating and fostering a uh, happier work environment. Okay, great. We have um, quite a few questions today. Our first question comes from Alexis in Florida. Alexis would like to know how uh, she would like to understand more about how coaching is used to create or help people discover their intrinsic happiness. Okay. Thank you for the question, Alexis. So I can tell you how I uh, work on this. So I have a four-step process. My um, book is a part of that, but it's called the Happy to Be Me four-step process. And the important part is that ME is actually capital M-E, so it's an acronym for Magnificent Essence. And then I talk about the difference between Magnificent Essence and Mighty Ego, which is lowercase M-E. And so I use this four-step process, which is wake up to the divinity that you are, shake up the things in your life that have nothing to do with that. Valerie, I'm going to put a comment just for a second. It seems yeah. like I'm getting a little static on the line. Are you guys hearing each other clearly? Or is that just coming in on my side? 
I can hear you. Uh, I do hear some static, but I'm able to hear. Okay, very good. We'll have you continue. I'm sorry. I just wanted, if there's a way, Justin, that we can correct that. Because I know I'm loving every word you're saying, so I just don't want us to lose it. Yeah, and I'm on my landline, but I'm not sure. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So we'll just continue. continue. Hopefully Alexis and others can hear us. Yes. Okay, so the four steps are waking up to the divinity within you shaking up the things that are getting in the way of your connection to that. And usually, in my experience, when I work with people, it has to do with their beliefs, their values, their personality, their identity. And those things are created early in our life. And usually when we go back and evaluate how much of it is learned or just put upon us by those around us versus how much is really true when we've claimed it, we see a disconnect and then we get an opportunity to choose. And that's what step four is, excuse me, step three which is make up a new story of your life. What is the truth? What is, what is it that you want to claim? I've chosen to claim that I'm a spiritual being having a human experience, and I can leverage the power of my spirituality wherever I go, including in the workplace, and I can let go of some of the personality and identity traits that I collected through my life in order to feel powerful, in order to feel a certain way, and be more authentically who I am. And then the last step is take up the reins and go live it. So the four steps, wake up, make up, shake up, and take up. And it's about, the, the fourth step is about who are the people, what are the practices um, that I have to incorporate into my life or I choose to incorporate into my life in order to live from this new way of being or I'm stepping into and creating from my magnificent essence instead of my human frailty. You know, Dr. G, we hear people all the time say, well, I'm only human. I'm only human. And I think, well, I don't really want to claim that anymore because I don't believe it's true. I believe that we are each created in image and likeness and we are walking fragmentations of the divine, whether you call that God or something else. Um, We are all fragments of that. And we're more capable of things when we're connected to that truth than when we're connected to I'm only human. And when you think about what we create in the workplace, from our beingness, I really wouldn't want to be back in the workplace with just my humanness. Right. So I, I help people look at the history of their lives. We do a little archaeology of the self and see where the problems that they share with me might be coming from, and then we look at unraveling those. And Wonderful. Valerie, I'm um, going to interrupt you for just a second because we're losing you more and more, and i am just got a message from our um, engineer saying we probably should have you hang up and call back in. And um, and then hopefully that will clear the line so we can make sure that everyone's hearing you clearly. Okay, I'll call right back. Okay, and while she's calling in, Valerie, we're going to go to the next question. Okay. Okay. The next question comes from Gina in California. Her question is, how should leaders balance optimism and reality in the workplace? Uh, she states that she wants to encourage and uplift her staff without giving them a false sense of reality. It's a great question. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to take a stab at it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it goes back to something Gina said earlier about um, leaders taking responsibility for um, cultivating an optimistic culture. And I think optimism doesn't have to be um, over the top or... Um, something that's not obtainable or sustainable. So um, being positive, um, always looking for the good 
and encouraging others to do that in terms of creating relationships, in terms of creating, uh, providing feedback, does not have to be a false sense of reality. We have lived so long, I think, with uh, kind of pessimistic, you know, you got to look at the facts for what they are uh, environment until really believing that I can create the positive, the um, happy energy and have that every day is almost um, seen as a miracle, but it's what we choose um, to bring with us each day to right. our environment. Yeah, I, I agree with you so much, and it kind of also makes me think of uh, conversations we had around using appreciative inquiry Absolutely. language mm-hmm. where we really kind of talk about those things we appreciate, those things we'd like to see mm-hmm. um, versus the um, the downside. So I think sometimes we can get caught up even in little things. I think even mm-hmm. uh, with talking with youth, it's, you know, um, mm-hmm. stop running instead of walking or be kind versus don't hit. Mm-hmm. So it, it's speaking more of what we want to see. Um, and using positive language can also be a way of creating a, a sense of positivity and optimism. Right. Uh, Valerie, and I know I, you're back on the line. I want to welcome you back in. Thank you. I'm so sorry. I don't know what's going on over here. Oh, actually, it's fine now. We, we hear you. Yes, yes it is. It's clear. Mm-hmm. Yes. Excellent. Great. Do you Excellent. want to add anything, too? I don't know if you were able to hear the question. Um, I got from the sense of the question that you were talking about optimism and reality, or yeah, yeah. how do, how do we support um, being optimistic yet at the same time realistic? You see, and I I think that um, optimism doesn't um, eliminate the idea of reality. I think it's just a point of view on reality. So, for example, if we have um, we have sales that are, you know, tanking or our competitor just launched a product that appears to be taking share, okay? So those are some marketing topics that I've had to deal with and with clients and when I was a line manager. The, the way to be able to talk about that is it's not that you paint that picture as more rosy. Mm-hmm. There are two things that happen. One is we don't call it worse than it is. Like, it's it's not, you don't go into the future where you say, okay, we've already lost a share point. If they keep up this rate, we're going to be down 15 points in four days. That, that's bringing in stuff that doesn't need to happen, and it's not truth yet. It's speculation. Mm-hmm. So what, mm-hmm. one of the ways that you do it is you arrest the conversation where it needs to be stopped with, with what is present, okay? And you be honest about it. So a couple things. Number one, you're talking to your team. You might say something like, we've got a situation here that needs our highest and best efforts. That sounds more positive than, okay, the business is tanking. You guys need to fix it. So it's like we need to bring the best we have, and here's what's going on. So that's, that feels optimistic to me. It feels more positive, as you all were sharing, be kind instead of stop hitting. Mm-hmm. So um, let's do our best with what we have right now. Um, you don't say the, all the predictions of the future unless you've got data that you can support. The data suggests that this is a very critical situation. So what we want to do is figure out how we bring whatever we need to bring to the table and what our predictions are our best bets for how quickly we can resolve it. Right. And some of it's energetic. So mm-hmm. some of it is what I talked about a minute ago around how how the per, um, leader comes in and makes people feel seen and heard. 
and how do they how do they share what their own fears are. So a leader who is willing to say, and you know what, team, I haven't seen us lose share points like this in the past, so I'll share with you, I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. I trust that we have what we need to get it done, and at the same time, I want to share with you that I'm feeling um, concern or fear about this. So I love it for you to show mm-hmm. me how I can let these fears go. Right. Do you there, something? Yeah, go on. I'm sorry. That's okay. No, I would love to dialogue with you on that. I really... I, I see it as not taking the optimism to the place where we are painting a picture that really isn't true. Mm-hmm. It's just how can we be vigilant, impeccable with our words, where we're really stating what is in a way that is empowering and, and light okay. as opposed to heavy yeah. and debilitating. Wonderful. Sounds like we need to take another break real quickly here. So we're going to take a short break. We'll come back, hear more questions from our listening audience, and see if we can get in those last three tips as well. So please stay with us. We'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network leadership matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. need to improve leadership staff or organization performance contact InnoVisions today for quality effective and affordable leadership staff and organization development training coaching and consulting services Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email Dr. G at dr.g at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Tune in every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific time for The Growth Strategist with Aldana Ambler. On the show, Aldana and some of today's top business professionals will discuss some of today's most pressing business issues that hold you, the business owner, back. Aldana will also give you 21 ways to grow with her list of growth strategies. Grow smart, grow profit, and grow your business with Aldana Ambler and The Growth Strategist every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific time, right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. And we're back with more on Leadership Matters. Today we're talking about fostering a happy work environment for greater success. And Valerie, one of the things you said before uh, we went to break and you were talking about the view or the perspective that a leader takes, it took 
it made me uh, think about one of the things that Rick Warren would say, and that is at any given time in our lives, a lot of times we think of lives having peaks and valleys. And, and he says, you know, at any given time we have good things happening and we have bad things or challenges happening. And I think as leaders we have to be able to balance our perspective and our views of both worlds and those things that are challenging, really be able to identify them so that we can manage and work on them. But then those things that are good to be able to really acknowledge them to do what you talked about a little earlier, and that is express gratitude and be able to leverage them to take that positive energy to also then be able to manage and work on those things that are more challenging. So I, I think it's uh, spot on just to talk about perspective and view and how important it is as leaders set the tone for that energy to be there or not be there for that positivity. I that love is- that. And, you mm-hmm. know, there are some really practical ways that leaders can bring this in. So, for example, in my past experience, we had weekly um, small group team meetings where we got connected and got updated on progress and, and you know, connected and dotted I's and cross T's. And then we had quarterly cross-functional team meetings, so bigger meetings. And each of those meetings started out with kind of a review of the, the strategies and goals so that we made sure we're all on the same page. Yes, we're all moving in that direction. We all see the target. But also a celebration. The very first thing on the list was what did we accomplish? What are we grateful for? What do we want to celebrate? And mm-hmm. it didn't have to be some major milestone that we'd been working on for a year. It could have just we could set the tone of the meeting by just being grateful that someone was back from vacation and we get to spend time with them again. Mm-hmm. It could be about, well, you know what, we got approval to move forward on something, or I finally finished that outline I was working on. And everybody was offered an opportunity to share their own sense of, yay, at a girl, at a boy. And that really set the stage for us to be in the positive mindset right off the bat. We're all going in that direction. Now let's be positive, and now let's talk about what needs to get done. Wonderful. So that's a very practical way people can bring, leaders can bring that in. Definitely a very positive way of of setting a uh, positive and optimistic tone. Uh, Valerie, I know you have uh, quite a few other questions. You want to give us another one? Sure. This question comes from Jeannie in California, and Jeannie submitted a question to us in the past. This question says, do you feel a happy workplace environment stems from fostering relationship beyond work and allowing staff into your personal life. Mm, interesting. Thank you, Jeannie, for your question. Valerie, what are your thoughts? I, I absolutely believe that our relationships are critical to our expression of happiness. I don't believe that a relationship creates happiness in me anymore. I know that that comes from inside. But they can be a part of our expression of happiness. And what I mean by that is when we surround ourselves with people who are of like mind, who are also interested in being in a more happy space, and that has a way of uplifting us, of continuing us to continuing to help us vibrate at a higher level. So relationships are important. That's number one. In terms of whether you need to foster relationships with people at work outside of work, I believe that has to be a personal choice. I don't, I don't know how many organizations restrict that, um, but it has to be from your own heart. If there is an aspect of someone that is uh, something that you would like to pursue, you want to learn more about them, you want to in, in, uh, integrate them into that aspect of your life, I feel like that's a, a pos- can be a positive thing. Um, how far you take that, again, you know, there's so much underneath that question. I don't mm-hmm. know that leaders have a responsibility for making that happen for their teams. 
Um, I think building high-performance teams does come from a connection beyond just being able to talk about the work stuff. Mm-hmm. And yet that connection doesn't necessarily have to grow outside of work. I hope that makes sense. Right. No, I hear mm-hmm. you saying, you know, just the importance of fostering positive relationships. And at the same time, each person kind of being responsible for figuring out and managing appropriately boundaries. Um, Valerie, yeah. any thoughts you might add to that? I absolutely agree with what Valerie said, one, that relationships are an expression of your own happiness in terms of being connected and having, um, especially in the work environment, um, Stephen Covey talks about having a friend at work. Uh, It's important. You have to have a place and a person to go to. And the other is outside of work. I feel like people have to make personal choices in terms of who they let into that space that is so sacred in terms of who I am and what peace and what what I want in my environment beyond the workplace. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Great. Thank you. Valerie, you have another question. I do. I have a question, another question from California. Um, This question states, how do you introduce using heart intelligence in a workplace environment that focuses solely on using logic and meeting the bottom line? Mm. Great question. My first word would be carefully. (laughs) You know, and the the reason I say carefully, there's a little tongue-in-cheek, but the reason I say carefully is because if the people in this predominantly rational and logical environment were anything like me, they've probably shut down their hearts so much that they're not necessarily able to hear them. When, When the heart is speaking, they're not necessarily able to tell the difference. And so, you know, there are people who are certified in doing the work and I think you have to have a practitioner who would consult with the organization and understand what the situation is, what are the problems, what are the markers that are suggesting there's way overdevelopment in the rational mind and not enough development in the intuitive mind and how to make that shift happen. I do, you know, if, if there are people, the, the kind of the lone wolf, uh, the, the person in the organization who is of that mind and spirit, it could be difficult for them to be kind of a lone rider on this because without without meaning to, the culture has kind of debilitated or handicapped the staff from using an aspect of themselves that is readily available. So it, it may you may feel like a fish out of water if you're trying to do this alone. And so my recommendation would be to work with a consulting organization that is really well-trained to make a, uh, an organizational cultural shift by bringing in a whole new modality of thinking and being. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Well, with that, Valerie, I know you have additional questions, and, and uh, Valerie, our guest, I know you have additional tips, and it looks like we are approaching the end of our time. want to invite uh, Valerie back to come and do part two, and I think at the break we were speaking a little bit about this, and so identified... Um, 
maybe not the coming Wednesday, but the Wednesday thereafter, January the 18th, that we can continue uh, this conversation. So, Valerie, we're going to look forward to, to having you come back and uh, joining us. And, um, Valerie Wright, I'm going to ask you to hold on to those questions, and we'll encourage okay. our listening audience to send in even more questions. And we'll look forward to hearing the, uh, the balance of or some additional tips from uh, Valerie Shepard. Thank you so much, Valerie, for all the information you have freely shared with us today. We so appreciate it. Thank you. This was a really wonderful gift in my day, and I'm so excited about coming back on the 18th. That's really extra special. Well, great. We are going to really look forward to it, and when you come back, we'll invite you to also share any other resources that you think might be helpful to our our listening audience to learn more about this topic. So thank you to everyone for joining us today, and uh, we're going to ask you to just tune in every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for more on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. G is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter.